Well, we've started this sort of mini-series on prayer, on the importance of prayer, and, and what prayer is, and perhaps what prayer isn't. And here today, we come to that second stanza of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. This morning, I'd like to say something to you that you might find a little bit controversial. You may even uh, upset you a little bit, but I have to say it anyway because I want to be honest with you. And I want to say this. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I don't believe in the power of prayer. Rather, I believe in the power of the one to whom we pray. Over in Noah's Ark, uh, when we're blessed to get a chance to do the chapels with the kids, we, the kids pick songs, and one of the songs that we frequently sing goes a little bit something like this. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Right? You know that song? Right? That's right. And Dave even knows, Dave even has the, uh, the, the, the motions that go with it. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Right? Yes. Say, thank you. That, that, that is the God to whom we are praying. And the power of prayer comes from the God to whom we pray, not in the words we use or express, as if we're having some sort of magical spell, as if we're little Harry Potters running around harnessing the power of God to, to do our will and our whim. The power of prayer comes not in the prayer itself, but in the one to whom we pray. Amen. And so when we pray, prayer does something because it is God fundamentally that is at work. And really, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, because let's face it, most of the time we pray the Lord's Prayer in the King James English for some reason. When we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, we are submitting we are surrendering to the kingship of God and the will of God, and that is a place where God has his way for transformation, for guidance, and for combat. We've seen uh, just last week that prayer brings us into that privileged position of the presence of God. We've seen that prayer is an audience with the king, a conversation with the loving father who adopts those who believe in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And today we see that prayer brings us under the reign of God and submits us to the will of God, the place of transformation, of guidance, and combat. We recognize that, that in Scripture, God's kingdom uh, usually is referred to in two different ways. In the first hand, or on the first hand, uh, God's kingdom is in reference to this sort of generic sense in which God is the king of all creation. It is God who is, uh, as the Psalms talk about, the creator and the one who sits upon the throne overseeing everything that happens. And so in this general sense, it is God who is the king of all creation, and with apologies to He-Man, it is God who is the master of the universe. It's a reference to God's kingdom, is then a reference to God's sovereignty over time and history. And when we talk about God's kingdom and His sovereignty, we understand that nothing happens outside of God's plans, outside of God's purposes, outside of God's knowledge. 
And so it is that whether a person believes in God or not, God is the sovereign king and rules over the comings and the goings, the doings within his creation. But there's also a more specific sense in which the Bible talks about God's kingdom. You find this especially in the New Testament, especially with the coming of Jesus. Jesus uh, comes and he says as his ministry begins, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus comes and he comes as the king. In Jesus, the king of all creation is drawn near to bring his kingdom and to invite people in through repentance and belief. And so the kingdom of God in this specific sense is the rule and reign of God in the life of any individual who confesses Jesus is Lord, who believes, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, that God raised him from the dead. And so in this kingdom of God, the king of all creation, the master of the universe, comes within this redemptive relationship of grace where he becomes personally connected to, mediated through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The kingdom comes to bear personally and individually upon a believer in Jesus. And so it can be said that the king of all the universe is king even of me, I. The kingdom brings with it the king, and the king brings the kingdom. And this is where, as J.I. Packer has stated, a realm of grace where the damage done by us to us by sin is repaired, and the gospel of grace proves to be what the kingdom is all about. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're praying that the rule and reign of the loving Father, the King of all creation, comes into our life. As individuals, we say this prayer. As a church, we say this prayer, that God's kingdom come upon us, that God rules and reigns in us. So we pray God's kingdom come and his will be done. To pray for the will of God to be done is what R.C. Sproul has called the highest expression of faith. Because to pray for God's will to be done is submission to the sovereignty of God. He says the real prayer of faith is a prayer that trusts God no matter whether the answer is yes or no. Sometimes people will talk about what is called the hidden will of God in reference to his rule and reign, in reference to his sovereignty. In his hidden will, God oversees and overrules, but somehow God doesn't always, sometimes never reveals what he is doing or why he is doing it. The hidden will of God really is about God's pleasure, God doing that which God has ordained to do, regardless of whether he tells us about it or not. We can think about that, I think, in terms of sort of a big picture, a meta will, a macro level will. On the other hand, when it comes to the will of God, some people will talk about the perceptive will of God or the revealed will of God, where God has shown what he wants his people to be about. God has shown, he has revealed how he wants his people to live. He has disclosed his character, his holiness, his trustworthiness. He has revealed salvation in Jesus Christ. He has revealed the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That also is the will of God. Revealing 
And what is this will of God, this revealed will of God? Well, Jesus in John chapter 6 tells us that the will of the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And so it is the, the will of the Father to save through Jesus Christ, an aspect of the Trinitarian will revealed in the sending of the Son and the Spirit. Salvation is a part of the will of God. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, your will be done in me. Save me. I am dependent upon your grace. And when we pray that together, we're saying, Lord, save us. We are dependent upon your grace. And when we pray that for others, we're saying, Lord, your will be done. Save them in Jesus Christ. St. Paul, writing in the Thessalonian church, that's what we heard read this morning as we prepared for worship, said this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then Paul goes on to explain sanctification in terms of holiness, in terms of being different. And so God's will in this sort of macro or micro level, this revealed will, is for people of his creation to know Jesus and then to live like they know Jesus differently. God's desire is for the people of his creation to be reconciled to him through Jesus the Christ and then living in the power of the Holy Spirit to live in such a way that brings him glory and honor and praise. And so there really isn't a mystery about what God's will is. God would have his people know Jesus and God would have his people live the way he wants them to live. When it comes to the will of God, far too often we get stuck on the meta will, the, the macro will of God, that big picture stuff. We far too seldom focus on the micro will of God, and that, is, that has been clearly revealed in the Scripture. Quite frankly, I think it's easier to, to ponder the macro will of God, to kick back in your easy chair with a soda in one hand and a pipe in the other and say, hmm, Lord, what are you doing now? It's easier to do that because it's less personal, and let's be honest, to focus on this macro thing is less confrontational to the self. Because when you start to ask the Lord, how would you have me live? What is your will for me? Then all of a sudden it gets personal, and it gets a little bit painful. Fundamentally, when we pray for the will of God to be done on earth, we are praying for God's plans and purposes to be affected. And this necessarily includes salvation and sanctification. This is seeking God's active work upon us as individuals. And so the kingdom of God then is the rule and reign of God within the lives of those who believe in Jesus. And the micro will of God is bound up in his saving grace and transformational work in the lives of believers. But what does it mean Right? What does it mean to pray for the kingdom to come and the will to be done? It means transformation, it means guidance, and it means combat. Let's talk about transformation. To pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done is to ask for transformation. It really is. This changes us. To ask for God's kingdom to come upon us as an individual or as a church to ask for God's kingdom to come upon us means, uh, Lord, we, we submit to your reign and your rule. We, it means we say together or as individuals, Lord, you have your way in us. 
It means we cry out, Lord, change us. We recognize that something is askew, that we're not quite where you want us to be. And that is a place of transformation. In his book, Dirty Glory, author and pastor Pete Gregg makes the point. The Bible teaches that prayer is the most powerful transformational force in the lives of individuals, churches, and even nations. Whenever and wherever God's people truly rediscover their purpose, their peculiarity, and their power, they do so through prayer. He even goes on to say there isn't a single example of a transformational Christian renewal that did not begin in prayer. Why? Because we surrender our kingship for God's. We surrender our will, our agenda our kingdom for God's, and that changes us. To pray for God's kingdom to come, to pray for his will to be done, is to submit to him. It is to surrender to him. It is to recognize, as Pastor Timothy Keller has put it, that you are underqualified for the job of master and commander of your own life. And it is to recognize that God is exceedingly qualified for that job. And so it is implicit in this prayer, submission, submission of our own kingdoms, the surrender of our own will, so that God's kingdom and God's will is front and center in our lives and in our purposes. To offer this prayer, to say, your kingdom come, your will be done, to offer that with intentionality, to offer that with uh, openness to God, is to ask to be changed. It is to ask for transformation. It is to ask for guidance. And I would say that praying for God's kingdom to come begins with me and extends to us is both transformational and evangelistic because it is God-focused. It is the prayer of a disciple committed to growing in discipleship. It means that we are thirsty for the Father. Praying for God's kingdom to come with sincerity and submission means we are thirsty for His presence and his work in our lives. And here's the thing. Praying for God's kingdom to come, praying for God's will to be done. This seems to be a prayer that God is quick to honor. Again, Pete Gregg notes, when the church becomes so hungry for more of God's power and presence that we finally turn to him in persevering prayer, seeking his face day and night, we can be sure that the Lord will not be slow to act. To pray for God's will to be done is transformational, it's evangelistic, it's God-focused. To pray for God's will to be done means we are surrendered and dependent upon Him. To pray for God's will to be done, we see what one Anglican pastor has called the purpose of prayer. Not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic, but to make my will, bring my will into line with his, which is what it means to practice true religion. Bringing my will into align with God's will, bringing God's kingdom upon us and me, you, that is transformational. Sometimes we have to figure out what is it that God wants us to do. That's part of his will, right? What is it that you want me to do? Yes, you want me to know Jesus, and yes, you want me uh, to grow in my holiness, to be sanctified. Yes, Lord, I'm doing those things, but what do you want me to do vocationally? 
What do you want me to do in service to you? What do you want me to do in your church? What, me, what do you want me to do in this world? To surrender to God's kingdom, to surrender to God's will, is to seek his guidance. St. Paul writes in the letter to the Ephesians, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only is it God's will that we know Jesus and grow in holiness, but that we do that which he has created us to do. And so as we pray for his will to be done, we're looking for his guidance, for him to guide us. And you know what? He will. He will indeed guide his people. Guidance comes to us as the Holy Spirit leads us into understanding and applying God's word. Guidance comes to us as the Holy Spirit leads us in thinking and leads us as we think ahead. Guidance comes from God as we take advice from wise counselors and as we honestly evaluate our own desires and intentions. J.I. Packer once quipped, by the way, that we can never distrust ourselves too much because we have skewed desires and skewed intentions. Guidance comes as we wait upon the Lord. And so as we pray for God's kingdom to come, as we pray for his will to be done, we recognize that this is in submission and surrender. We recognize that this is a place of transformation. This is a place of guidance. And we recognize that there is a very real danger in praying these prayers. Because in these things, God will uproot our kingdoms, God will uproot our desires. God will uproot our wills as he forms us to his own. And so, praying for the Lord's will to be done, for the kingdom to come, is combat. It's combat. Praying for the kingdom to come and the king's will to be done is combat in at least two ways. It's fighting in at least two ways. First, this prayer is combat waged in the Holy Spirit against the flesh that remains within and upon us. We as human beings in our natural conditions are, are born sinners bent in upon ourselves. And this means that we are usurpers on the thrones of our lives, that we've sought to establish our own kingdoms. This means that we have our own plans, our own purposes, our own wills. And so to pray for God's kingdom to come, and to pray for God's will to be done is combat as we, in a very real sense, have to wage war with ourselves. And I wonder if at some basic level this is perhaps a reason why prayer is so often neglected. The very act of prayer, according to the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, is the overthrow of the usurping self and the enthronement of Jesus. A second, prayer is combat waged against the spiritual forces of evil in this world. To pray for the kingdom of God to come individually, corporately, and within the world is to pray that Satan and his kingdom is undone and whipped. To pray for God's will to be done is to pray that the will of those forces aligned against God be emasculated and disemboweled, losing all power and authority. Prayer is combat. As Martin Luther has described it, a, a constant violent action of the Spirit as it is lifted up to God. Thus, we must all practice violence and remember that he who prays is fighting against the devil in the flesh. 
Luther goes on, Satan is opposed to the church. And so the best thing we can do, therefore, is put our fists together and pray. Praying for the kingdom to come. Praying for God's will to be done. Salvation and sanctification. Transformation and guidance. Seeking God and surrendering, submitting to him. When we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in us, it's combat. When we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in others, it is combat. When we pray for others, when we intercede for another's salvation, when we intercede for another's healing, when we pray for another's sanctification, we are going to battle against the forces of evil. Intercession is war. In prayer, we put our fists together and we pray. I believe we're called to a renewed sense of prayer and purpose in our church. For over the last year now, we've been talking about a vision that, that God has given us as overarching purpose for why we exist as a church, to bring God glory by proclaiming Jesus, by uh, blessing people with gospel-centered ministries, that they may believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and join us in building His kingdom. And I believe as we continue to press into that vision to understand what it means for us, it necessarily means that we be a people united in prayer, united together, praying for the kingdom of God to come, for His will to be done. There are opportunities here at Emmanuel to join in prayer to seek God's kingdom and will every week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.40 for prayer before between our services. We gather on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 8.10 a.m. for prayer. And we gather once a month for prayer walks in the neighborhoods among our property. July 21st is just such a time. Coming up this fall on Wednesday evenings, as our kids enjoy the Gospel Project, our adults will have the opportunity to learn and relearn about prayer and practice prayer in the prayer course. Power comes through prayer, not because of the right words or some kind of magical incantation, but because the one to whom we pray is the king. He is the loving father who delights to bring his kingdom and delights to work out his will. This is transformational work. This is guidance work. This is combat. And this is God's work. And so as children of the father, we pray said this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy and gracious God, we praise you and we give you thanks. We praise you and give you thanks that we can come before you in prayer. That we can trust in you as King. And that we can surrender and submit to your rule and reign and your will in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you would come and help us to know Jesus all the more. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray, come and Form us into the very image of Christ, transforming us. And we pray that you would give us guidance to do that which you've given us to do. And Lord, as we gather together and sing your praises, as we adore you in song, we pray that you would be at work. Prepare us, Lord, for prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and deliver.